0: Matthew 19, we'll start there in verse 27. Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, this old Peter, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory. There's that throne. There's Jesus Christ sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. And I showed you that last week. Ye, talking about the disciples, also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And I showed you that last Sunday, I showed you in the scripture where it says that there's going to be thrones, we're going to be kings and priests unto our Lord and Savior, we're going to be ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ. So, Christian, the rewards you're going to get for the work you did out here on earth right now, when the millennial kingdom kicks off, that thousand year reign kicks off, Jesus Christ is going to reward you allowing you to rule and reign with Him. Some of us are not going to get to rule and reign with Him at all because we didn't do anything for Him down here. But all that's, all that's predicated on what you've done for Him, and that's in Luke chapter 19. That's in Colossians chapter 2. So there's verses to, to show you that. But you see in here, He's talking to, to His uh, Jewish disciples here, and He tells them, Ye shall be upon twelve thrones. That's, of course, Jesus on the main throne. They're on twelve thrones, and they're judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Verse 29, And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, the name of Jesus, shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit that everlasting life. There you go. That's that millennial kingdom, and that, uh, that heavenly inheritance. Verse 30, though, here's the key. But many that are first shall be last, and the last She'll be first. I think we're going to be amazed when we get to heaven and Jesus. we're sitting at the judgment seat of Christ and we're sitting up there and we're going to see some big names in the Christian community, some big names. We've seen them on TV and God, they're going to get before Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is going to send them to the back of the line and there's going to be some dear old widow ladies that have been praying for the Lord, been given their last widow mite and they're going to be brought to the front of the line and they're going to get all the glory. I think we're going to be amazed at that. Amen. But what the point of all this is, and I'm going to go back up to verse 28, and then, we're gonna, and then we'll start hammering it. Verse 28, Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne. I'm going to preach this morning on the regeneration. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy. Lord, I pray that as we open up your book, Lord, and we're going to be going through a lot of Scripture, Father, that you'll help us, Lord God, to, that those words will come off this page. Help them to come alive, Lord God. Help us to understand what we're reading. Help us to piece it all together. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray, amen. amen. All right, the regeneration, the regeneration, and the regeneration. So he's calling the regeneration, what we're, period, is what we call the millennial kingdom. That's called the both of the two different things. And there's a reason why he's calling it the regeneration. So I'm going to draw a timeline up here. Here's right here is Jesus Christ is crucified. He comes out of the tomb. This right here is 2,000 years of church history. 2,000 years of church history. And we're right at 2,000 years. And according to Scripture, I've shown you this before, and I I don't have time to show you everything, but there's going to be a rapture of the church. And after the rapture of the church, there's, I'm going to put a little bubble here. And this bubble I'm putting in here, 666, that's a mark of the beast. That's a seven-year tribulation period. So there's going to be a rapture of the church right here. And then at the rapture of the church, while the, rest the Jews and while the rest of the world that doesn't know Jesus Christ goes through that tribulation period, there's going to be billions and billions of people killed. And then we're at the judgment seat of Christ in this time period. And then Revelation 19, Jesus Christ comes back. That's the second coming. So this is the second coming. Right here was his first coming. He came first as a lamb to take away the sins of the world, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. This second coming, boy, he don't come as a lamb, does he? He comes as a lion, as the tribe of Judah. He's a Jew. He's king of kings and lord of lords. But during, after he comes back, the battle of Armageddon takes place, and the Bible says there's a thousand years in here He rules and reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. Now we call that the millennial kingdom, the thousand year reign, millennial meaning thousand years. But here Jesus Christ refers to it as a regeneration. And it's a regeneration because the whole earth regenerates. The whole earth comes back alive like it was before, like God intended it. So we're going to focus this morning on that regeneration. There's a regeneration of the earth. There's a regeneration of Uh, animal kingdom, and there's a regeneration of mankind. And the Bible gives you scripture of all the stuff that's going to take place during that thousand-year reign. This painting that's behind me was painted by a dear saint. She painted this. This is a painting of what the millennial kingdom will look like, the lion laying down with the lamb, Jesus Christ walking among his people. That's what that painting represents is the millennial kingdom. Now turn to Ezekiel uh, chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36. Now, I know I'm going to turn to a lot of Scripture this morning, but I want to show this to you. And if you don't get all these, you can get with me after church, and I can, I can give you the verses. But if, uh, mainly we're going to be in Isaiah, but we're going to start here in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 33 through 36, if you want to write it down. Ezekiel 36, verses 33 through 36. Now, I'm going to show you that this is a regeneration of the earth. So when he calls it the in the regeneration, there's a generation... There's a a genesis, there's a beginning, there's a creation, and then there's a recreation, there's a regeneration. There's a generation, and there's a regeneration. And that's what this earth, this whole earth, when Jesus Christ comes back to rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years, it's not going to look like the earth we see right now. It's going to regenerate. And I'll show you why and tell you why. Look at Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 33. Thus saith the Lord God, in the day that I, ha- I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities. He's talking to the Jew when he's cleansed them from all their iniquities. This is after the second coming. I will also cause you to dwell in the cities and the wastes shall be builded and the desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed by. And they shall say, this land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate ruined cities are become fenced and inhabited. So this, in this regeneration, the earth is going to become like the Garden of Eden. It's going to start regenerating. It's going to become like the Garden of Eden again. Verse 36, Then the heathen that are left round about you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that that was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Amen. Amen. He says, I've spoken it, I'm going to do it. But I want to point something out in verse 36. He talks about the Lord build, the, I the Lord build the ruined places. He not only builds ruined places all over this earth physically, but he'll build up your life that's ruined too. Yeah. If you're in here this morning and your life is ruined and you don't know which way to turn, you know which way you're going to go, I'm here to tell you Jesus Christ can build that life back up. Amen. There's a lot of us in here that had ruined lives. And then the the man from Galilee, the man of Nazareth, he came by Jesus Christ, and he gave us salvation, and we've never been the same. I'm one of those guys. I can testify to that. Now, turn to Isaiah 51. Go to Isaiah. Now, we're going to be in Isaiah for a while. If you're following with me, turn to Isaiah 51. I encourage you to get the Bible open and follow with us. There should be one in front of you. If not, just hang tight. I'm going to read. I read everything I preach. I'm going to preach and this is going to be more of an expository sermon. But this is more of a sermon where I'm showing you what the Bible's teaching us. And this, these are all prophecies of that coming kingdom. These prophecies of that millennial kingdom. Look at Isaiah 51.3. Look at Isaiah chapter 51.3. And if you're following along with me, I can hear some of the pages turning. Just hang tight because we're going to be in Isaiah for a while. So you don't have to go far. If you found Isaiah, that's where we need to be. Look at verse 3. For the Lord shall comfort Zion... He will comfort all her waste places, and he will make her wilderness like Eden, and her, desolate, in her des- desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Amen. When you get around the Lord, you can't help but sing. And if you think about what was the garden of Eden like, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. The way the Garden of Eden was, it was beautiful. And we're going to get into the way the Garden was as we go through this regeneration and what the Bible prophesies. But just think about the Garden of Eden, the way Adam and Eve had it made and how beautiful the Garden of Eden had been. And there's something physical going on there, and we'll get into that later on. Now, I've established that the earth is going to be regenerated. And when it regenerates, it's going to be a lot like the Garden of Eden. All this, these desolate places are going to start blossoming ro- like a, a rose. You're going to see this whole earth start greening up. And you're going to see this whole earth change. And I'll show you why. Look at Isaiah 44. You're in Isaiah. Turn to chapter 44. So this earth changes. And there's one big reason why this earth changes. Isaiah chapter 44 verse 23. Isaiah 44 verse 23. So whenever Jesus Christ shows up, everything gets right. When the Prince of Peace shows up, everything gets right. And I'm here to tell you that when he spiritually, Jesus Christ has spiritually came into my life, everything got right. When Jesus Christ spiritually came into my life, when I asked him to ask Him to save me, I asked him to come into my life, I prayed and said, Lord Jesus Christ, I know I'm a sinner. Will you please save me? He came into my life. And man, there was joy, there was singing. Man, when Jesus Christ shows up, good things happen. And I'm here to tell you, when he shows up on this earth, this earth, it goes crazy. Look at verse 23. We're in Isaiah chapter 44. Look at verse 23. Sing, sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord hath done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth. Look at this. Break forth into singing, ye mountains. O forest and every tree therein, for the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. When the Lord Jesus Christ starts coming back at that second advent and he's coming back onto this earth, man, the whole mountains are going to start waking up. The trees are going to start shaking and waking up. It says that the mountains are going to start singing. And guys, they're not going to be singing the latest Beyonce song. They're not going to be singing ACDC Highway to Hell. They're going to be singing, Hallelujah, Lord Jesus Christ. And as a Christian, that's why we sing, what do we sing as Christians? Redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. But the mountains are going to be singing, our Creator, our Creator's come back. Those mountains have been slumbering because the creator of the universe has been gone. Those trees have been slumbering because the creator of the of uni- their creator has been gone. But one day their creator shows back up and they're going to start waking up. Like that old dog when he's sitting out on the porch waiting for his master to come home. He's kind of sitting there like he's sleeping. But boy, his old ears are going to perk up. He sees the master coming up. And that's the way the mountains are going to start singing. And all the trees are going to start shaking. It's going to be a wonderful time. Look at Isaiah 55. Look at Isaiah 55. Man, we're trying to piece all this together. Man, when Jesus Christ comes back, man, the world's never been like it before. There's going to be a regeneration of the earth. It's going to start turning like the Garden of Eden again. See, this is where the JWs, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they get it all wrong. <laughs> so they had, when they started up that cult, they said, okay, there's 144,000 of y'all that get to go to heaven. There's only 144,000. And they were using Revelation where the 144,000 Jews were were sealed, and they said, we're that, that 144,000. Well, what Rutherford didn't understand, he's the one that helped create the Jehovah's Witness, what he didn't understand was, there were going to be 144,000 idiots that joined that cult. And they didn't think there'd ever be that many. Well, then what happened when they got the 144,000? They're like, well, you rest of you other sheep. And that's what he, they call each other, the other sheep. I, I talked to one recently and asked him, the other sheep, y'all get to stay here on earth, and it, it'll be a paradise on earth. That's what they teach while everybody else is up in heaven. Look, heaven's a real place. The millennial kingdom's a real place. And the only way you're going to get there is with the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way because it's all about Jesus Christ. But look at Isaiah 55. Look at verse uh, verse 12. Look at this one. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Wow, when Jesus Christ comes back on that white stallion, he's riding back, and we'll follow him with him. The mountains are going to see him coming, and they're going to start going, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. They're going to start start singing and glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. And the trees, they're going to start swaying back and forth, and their limbs are going to start clapping. They're going to start singing, Glory to God, glory to God. The Creator's coming back. The Prince of Peace, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Man, they're going to be swinging and swaying. This isn't something new. You remember when Jesus Christ was coming in as a king, riding lowly on the donkey? Remember, he came in and the disciples and the kids and everybody running, they were throwing their coats before him and they were and they're throwing those palm leaves before him as he entered into Jerusalem to become the king of the Jews, and they rejected their king and crucified him, amen? And as they came in and they were excited for him to come in, and they were, what were they saying? How, Hosanna, hallelujah, the king is all right. They were a glorifying God. And the Pharisees didn't like it, did they? And they called Jesus Christ out on it. You remember that in Luke? And they said, hey, you need to tell these people to be quiet. That's what they told Jesus. They had the, they had the gall to tell Jesus that. You need to tell these people. You know what Jesus Christ said? I'm here to tell you. If they were to shut their mouth, the stones themselves would cry out. Amen. It's going to happen. What well, Jesus Christ says, if you were to kill every one of these people that are shouting and screaming, if you were to tell, you know, sew every one of their mouths up, the stones themselves would start crying out, Jesus is Lord. Man, I tell you, they, they want to try to get rid of us Christians, don't they? They don't like, we're the troublemakers, amen. You know, they're about to get what they want. <laughs> they're about, the Lord's about to rapture us out of here, and then they'll have this whole world. Let's see what this world's like when there's no salt in it. Let's see what this world's like when there's no light in it. Let's see what this world's like when the Christians, the Holy Spirit Jesus Christ, comes and takes his bride away at the rapture. Let's see what this world's like when they're left behind. You know they'll be sitting there in the if you was to kill every Christian in the world and put every Christian in prison and you go sit down on your couch and you turn on your TV to watch the key, and you'd hear something outside, you're like, What's that noise, baby? I hear something out, what's that noise? You go outside to the front door and you'd open up the front door and you'd keep hearing a noise. You look down there and there'll be a bunch of rocks out there and you'd go out there and you'd say, man, that sounds like it's coming from that rock. And you'd pick that big old rock up and you'd put your ear to it and be, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. The rocks themselves will cry out. He says here when Jesus Christ comes back, the mountains are singing before Him. As He's going forth, they're saying, Come on, Lord Jesus. Come on, Lord Jesus. And the trees are clapping. They're so excited. This earth is going to regenerate because its Creator has come back. You should get excited when Jesus Christ comes and lives in your life through the Holy Spirit because your Creator is living in you. It's an amazing thought. It's an amazing concept to think that God... The creator of this whole universe will allow you to call Him Father. And He looks at you as a son. Man, that's humbling. That's Scripture. It's humbling, but it's Scripture. Look at verse 13. Verse 13, same, same, chapter 55, verse 13. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Notice what's going on here. If you're not noticing yet, there's no more thorns. What are the thorn- why are there thorns out here? Why are there thorns and mesquite trees out here with thorns on them? Because of the curse. Because of the Adamic curse, Adam and Eve messed up, and God cursed this ground. And not only cursed this ground, he cursed the animals. And we're going to get into that because there's a regeneration of the earth, there's a regeneration of animal kingdom, and there's a regeneration of mankind. Right now we're focused on the regeneration of the earth. Okay, look at Isaiah 35. Come back to Isaiah 35. That curse back in Genesis chapter 3 has been lifted. This earth is regenerated. This earth is turning like the Garden of Eden. Look at uh, look at Isaiah chapter thirty-five verse one. Man, this is a, this is wonderful scripture. Notice all oh, this is in Isaiah, and you just kind of you can kind of piece it all together and say, man, this is this is going to be an amazing time. I can't wait. I can't wait. And you might be out there this morning, you might be listening to me this morning, or however way you might be, whatever you might not like Jesus Christ, you might not like Christians, and you might think, well, you know what? I'm not going to vote for him. I don't want that. Tough. You don't vote for a king, he just comes in. Amen? And you can't steal this election. Let me get a little polit- little, there, a little political there. You can't steal this election. He's coming in. Look at Isaiah chapter 35, verse 1. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose, as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice. Look, the desert's rejoicing even with joy and singing. The desert's singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be Given unto it the excellency of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord in Jesus Christ and the excellency of our God. The desert is going to blossom like a rose. You know, when I think of the Middle East, and I think of camels, I think of tents, and I think of desert. Now, y'all might think something different, but that's what I think of. That won't be like that anymore. That desert is going to blossom like a rose. What's an amazing, I've seen pictures of this, and I, I don't have it to show you right now, but. I'm sure with the way the internet is, you could Google it up. But There's pictures of pre-1948, before Israel became a nation again, and then like 2010, there's like a, there's like a picture, and you can see how, the, like a satellite, kind of a satellite picture, and it's all brown, and there's nothing there. And then when Israel came back in 1948 and has been there for 70 years, you see this whole thing's just turned green. It just looks alive, because God's people's there, where they belong. Amen, amen, amen. Isaiah chapter 30. Look at Isaiah chapter 30. I, I, this is more of a teaching as it is a preaching, but I want to give this stuff to you. This stuff's important because it shows you what, what you got to look forward to. This isn't even heaven. <laughs> Praise God. This isn't heaven. This is, just, this is what happens when Jesus Christ comes and rules this world. It will be like heaven, but it's not heaven. We'll get into that in Revelation chapter 21, Revelation chapter 22. Can't wait to get there. But right now, we're just talking about when Jesus Christ rules His creation, it's going to be a beautiful thing. Look at Isaiah chapter uh, 30, verse 26. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 26. Isaiah 30, verse 26. Your thumbs getting wore out yet? I know these verses like the back of my hand, so it's easy for me to turn real quick, because I I love this stuff. Look at Isaiah chapter 30, verse 26. Moreover, the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun. Wow. And the light of the sun shall be sevenfold, seven times as the light of seven days, in the day that the Lord bindeth up the breach of his people, and healeth the stroke of of their their wound. So the sun's going to be seven times brighter. Ooh. That's kind of scary thought. Being in Texas, that's a really scary thought. <laughs> you think, wow, seven times. I don't know if we can get those you know 200 degree weathers. Or what, no, what's going there's a, there's there's something scientifically going on there, and I'm gonna try to talk about it next Sunday, Lord willing. But what happens when that sun starts being seven times brighter? What's going on there is gonna be a, there's gonna start. It's gonna be like a, a greenhouse effect. And I'll try to explain that more next Sunday. But there's a greenhouse effect going on. And now, keep your hand here, but turn to Amos chapter 9 and look at this prophecy. Okay, you're probably saying, where's Amos? If you find Ezekiel, it's Ezekiel. Go right. Daniel, keep on turning. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, and then you'll find Joel, and then you'll find Amos. Joel, and then you'll find Amos chapter 9. And if you don't want to turn there, just hang tight. I'm going to read it to you. Trust me. I'm reading everything I'm turning to. I'm not going to just throw it out and say, hey, the sun's going to be seven times brighter. I want you to turn and see that it's going to be seven times brighter. I want you to see the Word of God. I want you to see that God's given this to you. It's in your lap. It's not just for the preacher to know. It's for everybody to know. It's a prophecy has been there this whole time. It's been in your Bible for 2,000 years. Actually, some of this has been in there for twenty-eight, 3,000 years. And I'm here to tell you that we're at the cusp. We're right here at the edge of all of this taking place. I can't wait. Look at verse 13. Amos chapter 9, verse 13. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper. The plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him that soweth seed, and the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. Well, wow, there's going to come a time where you're out there sowing the seed and you look up and somebody running behind you reaping it all up. <laughs> that's a sun that's seven times brighter. That's a earth that's like the Garden of Eden. That's how God intended it. He doesn't intend for you to work by the sweat of your brow. That's the curse put on Adam. That curse has been lifted. Now you don't have to now you don't have to plow and work and, and, and till and do all the stuff you would do and put the fertilizer on it, and it. man, I can't get this ground to bring up any crop unless I keep the bugs off of it. It ain't like that no more. Man, you're, you're sowing the seed. You look back, somebody else is reaping it. They're doing. You're, you're, you're picking the grapes off there. Somebody else is coming up and picking them back off there, too. You got the wines. It's a wonderful time. It's a joyous time. The creator of the universe is back, and everything is back like it's supposed to be. So you see the sun is seven times brighter. You're seeing that it's, it's affecting the crops. Verse 14, And I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel. There she is, Israel, bringing again the captivity. It happened around 1948. They started coming to nation again. Remember, he started bringing them from all, of the world, all over the world back to Israel. And now the whole world hates them. It amazes me to look over in pictures. And I don't keep up with a lot of news, but I was talking to Brother Gary that, that yeah, I keep up with what's going on with Israel because it's God's people. And it, 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 it's, uh, it lines up right with Israel. I mean, with the Bible and everything going on with Israel. But I, I noticed over in London, they showed this bridge, and it's like the whole bridge was, I don't know how, I mean, tens of thousands of people marching. Against Israel. And I was like, what? They're marching against Israel. They, 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 what, what? And then and they, I don't know if they were all chatting in, but they said that the crowd was chanting something about Israel be drove into the sea. Israel be drove into the sea. God's telling his people here 2,000 years ago, hey, I'm going to bring you back from captivity of my people and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them, and I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land which I have given them, saith the Lord God. Amen. That happened though. See, that prophecy didn't come true because they, they were in the land. When Jesus came the first time, they were in the land. And then in 70 A.D., just like Jesus prophesied, the uh, Roman Emperor Titus came in, destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple. They were spread to the whole four corners of the earth. So what you're seeing here is a prophecy that you can see start taking place in 1948 and starting to take place right now that we're getting close, guys. We're getting close. It's a regeneration. It's a regeneration of the earth. It's going to be like the Garden of Eden. Now let's turn back to Ezekiel chapter 34. Man, this is a wonderful time to be on this earth, Ezekiel chapter 34. And I'm sorry that this is more of a teaching than a preaching, but I just wanted to show this stuff. This stuff's amazing to me, and I want to make sure it gets out there. Uh, that, was my, that was my whole intention of preaching through the book of Revelation. See, when I first started praying about it, like, what am I going to preach? And then the Lord was laying on my heart. I felt like the Lord was laying on my heart about preaching Revelation. Well, I've taught Revelation. Brother Gary, we have went through Revelation probably twice, I think, since I've been here. I've been here at this church about 15, 16 years, I think going on 17 years I've been at Indian Gap, so I know I went through the book of Revelation twice, and, uh, but one thing that just occurred to me is that there's so many of y'all that can come up here on Sunday but can't come up here on Wednesday night, and I was doing my teaching on Revelation like on Wednesday night, or sometimes in Sunday school, so the point was, I'm like, man, I want other people to hear this stuff, so this is more of a teaching than it is a preaching, but I think it's that important. To get this stuff out there, so you can understand the millennial kingdom and the concept of all this stuff that's going on. Look at Ezekiel chapter thirty-four, verse twenty-nine. Ezekiel chapter thirty-four, verse twenty-nine. Here's a prophecy that's pretty up- well. Look, look, I tell you what. Go back up to verse uh, verse twenty-five. Look at verse twenty-five. Let's start at verse twenty-five. And I will make with them. I will make. I will make with them a covenant of peace. And will cause the evil beast to cease out of the land. That's a change in the animal kingdom that I'll, I'll be preaching on. And they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. Man, the earth has changed so much that you can go sleeping out in the woods. You're not worried about getting eaten by a bear or a lion or, or the robbers getting you or anything. You can go sleep out in the woods. Dwell safely into verse 25. Now look at verse 26. I will make them and the places round about my hill a blessing. That's around the hill of Zion where Jesus is. Ruling and reigning. I will cause, look at this. I will cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of blessing. Amen. Amen. That's why we sing that song. There shall be showers of blessing. And the millennial kingdom will be. And the tree of the field shall yield her fruit. And the earth shall yield her increase. There we go. And they shall be safe in their land. Talking about Israel. And shall know that I am the Lord. When I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them out of the hand of those that serve themselves of them, and they shall no more be a prey to the heathen, neither shall the beasts of the land devour them, but they shall dwell safely and none shall make them afraid. Amen. But notice what he says in verse 29, a very important verse. And I will raise up, to, I will raise up for them a plant of renown. And they shall be no more consumed with hunger in the land, neither bear the shame of the heathen anymore. So that plant of renown, that's a, some, somehow God's going to raise up this plant, and this plant is going to be, God's going to raise it up, and it's going to be some kind of crop that there'll be no more hunger, no more famine, no more hunger, people have plenty of food to eat. Now here in America, we don't understand that. You, re- you, could re- you might be doing your ba- daily Bible reading, come across verse 29 and say, and they shall no more be consumed with hunger, and go, meh, I'm going to go to the refrigerator and get me a peanut butter sandwich. We're blessed. Yeah. We'll spoil children of God. You talk to those missionaries on this wall that deal with this stuff. Hunger is ama- uh, hunger and famine. People See, we don't do this in America, but in other parts of the world, people die of hunger. No more in the millennial kingdom. Remember the plants, are, you're reaping, you're sowing, all this stuff, seven time, the sun's seven times brighter, he's going to make this plant a renown, but that's a prophecy, brothers and sisters. That's a twofold prophecy, not just a physical plant, but it's a spiritual plant. And that plant's name is Jesus Christ. Now let's turn back and close in Isaiah, Isaiah 53. And I'm going to show this to you, this plant is prophesied. Isaiah chapter 53, this plant is prophesied this plant of Jesus. Beautiful scripture, Isaiah 53. Man, I mean, I should have just opened up Isaiah 53 and preached this all morning long. This thing, this right here, is it's a beautiful, beautiful chapter. But it's a plant of renown. And that's what some, God physically, and I believe physically, is going to raise up a plant that will feed the whole world. I don't know what kind of plant it's going to be. I sure hope it's not uh, broccoli. I don't like broccoli. <laughs> I hope it's something else. But... It be a plant that God raises up and it's going to feed the whole world. But notice here in verse 53, I mean excuse me, chapter 53 of Isaiah verse one, "Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord, that the arm of the Lord be Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. He's an extension of the Lord. He's, the, he's God manifesting in the flesh. Jesus Christ is God walking among us. He's the arm of the Lord revealed." Verse two, "For he shall grow up before them before Him as a tender plant." There's that, there it is, that plant. It's tender, it's a tender plant. And as a root out of a dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness, and when he, we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. You know that Jesus Christ was just a pretty, just normal looking guy? Jesus Christ wasn't a good looking guy. You notice that when they have Jesus Christ portrayed in movies and TV series and everything, they always have some good looking guy, you know, uh, really good, most of time pretty good looking guy. He, he wasn't a very good looking guy. Jesus Christ isn't a good-looking guy, according to the Word of God. He's, there's no, com, no form, no comeliness. He wasn't a big old stout guy. He wasn't a, he's just a normal-looking person. When we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. There's, nothing you, there's nobody that looked at Jesus Christ and said, Well, that's a good-looking dude. Let's go follow him. I like the way that guy looks. What was the difference with Jesus Christ? It's when he opened up his mouth. Amen? Like he looked like a normal guy, but when he spoke like the policeman there from the temple said, no man ever spake like this man. I'm not touching him. Now let's look at the verses. He is despised and rejected of men, and he is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You got some sorrow this morning? You got some grief? You're going through some problems? Jesus Christ has been there. Jesus Christ wants to help you out. He's been there. He's acquainted And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. He was despised as he went to the cross. Spit on, whipped, beat, laughed, mocked. Verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Has Jesus Christ got your griefs on him this morning? I pray he does. Has he got your sorrows? I, I, I've, I've lived a life of sorrow. I've had so many people die around me that if Jesus Christ wasn't carrying me, that for me, I couldn't do it. I sure couldn't carry it. And I've seen so many people trying to carry that sorrow, carry that grief of a loved one dying, and maybe they died really young. Maybe they died really, really young. And you carrying that grief and that sorrow. I want you to let Jesus Christ carry that for you. He understands. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Look at verse 5. But He was wounded for our transgressions. Whose transgressions? Your transgressions. Sitting out here this morning. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. Jesus died on the cross for you. Your sins. Your iniquities. Your sorry no good life. He died for you. Not for Him. He didn't do nothing. He was innocent. He was, he was railroaded, and, he, and, and, and Pilate was trying to get him off. And, and what Jesus told Pilate, I could have 12 legions of angels right here, right now. He could have 100,000 angels right there, just come on in. And it, one angel was killing 150,000 men in the Bible. And Jesus Christ, I'm, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to go to the cross to die for the sins of the world. So it's easy when I say to die for the sins of the world, but he went to die for you. And for you, and for you, and for me. He paid the price. Now the ball's in y'all's court. Are you going to take that free gift? Are you going to take it? Verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. Yes, we have. We have, we have turned everyone to his own way. Yes, we have. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, he opened not his mouth, he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, he was, he was crucified. For the transgression of my people was he stricken, yes he was, verse 9 And he made his grave with the wicked, and he did. And with the rich in his death, and he did. He laid in a rich man's tomb, even though he didn't have a pillow to lay his head on. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. He did nothing wrong. And we whipped him, and we beat him, and we mocked him. I say we, because that's included everybody in this room. We did all that to him, and he went and he died on the cross for nothing he did. And God allowed that to happen. Look at the very next verse, and I'm closing. Yet, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. You know it pleased the Lord to send his only son to die on the cross? It pleased the Lord to do that. And when you think about that and meditate on that, that's an amazing thing. Why would it please the Lord to bruise him? To take that tender plant that tender plant that's done nothing wrong and to break that we reed, to break, break that tender plant, to take that lamb and to cut its throat and crucify it. Why, why, would, it, why would it please the Lord for that? Because that's the only way, brothers and sisters, we can get right with God. Right. That's the only way He can allow us into the family. Yes. Something's got to die for mine and your sins. And we can't even die for our own sins. It's got to be the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we sing like we did this morning, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at indiangapbaptist.com. On the internet, it's indiangapbaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at indiangapbaptist.com. And God bless you, and, and until next time. Casting all your care upon him.